Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. Um, it is Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. And, boy, Michigan and this uh, whole Bull Schembechler thing is, is starting to... Uh, take some interesting turns here uh, because there's been a lot of he said, she said regarding Bo Schembechler and his involvement with uh, former Dr. Robert Anderson uh, and you know, the, the, the accusations of his son. Uh, there have been players come out and said that you know nothing happened. There's also been players who have said that something happened. And uh, yesterday, the Schembechler family, on behalf of uh, Bo, uh, who unfortunately has passed away already, uh, spoke out uh, about the situation. And, um, you know, they they believe that he would have told them if Anderson had been committing these kind of crimes. I, I don't know. I don't believe that, uh, you know, I, and I understand that, you know, they're, they're, they're sticking up for Schembechler and putting him you know, on a pedestal once again and saying, look, you know, he's touched so many lives, et cetera, et cetera, is, is what they said in the press release. But uh, what they don't understand is that, you know, in this situation, if it was you know, one person coming out multiple years later, you know, maybe maybe that was just a, you know, a ploy or, or something because we've we've seen plenty of people try to drag uh, people's names through the mud, but that's not this situation. There have been multiple accusers of Anderson and his sexual predator ways. And when there are multiple of them, it is true in my eyes. And you cannot avoid that. And I think the Schembechler family, I, I understand what they're doing. I, I get it. You know, they have to you know, stand up for Bob. But I just, you know, in, in this situation, I just can't. I don't, you know, I, I get what where they're coming from. But that's, you know, that's not something that you're probably going to share with your family. Let's be real here. Their, their rationale behind the fact that, you know, he didn't tell them that that was happening and that's why it didn't happen, that's that's terrible rationale. Because a lot of people hide secrets. A lot of people. And dark secrets as well. And this falls under that category. And what I think especially... Uh, is 
you know, significant is the fact that the, the family you know, kind of disregarded uh, his adopted son's claims that he was one of the children that Anderson preyed on. Which, you know, I think this is, a, you know, this is a family situation that unfortunately is in the public eye. And uh, it's sad. What's going on there is sad. And no lie, you, uh, you know, you, you can't look at this situation and think, oh, yeah, no, nothing happened. This is, you know, this is, everything's fine. Everything's good. That's, that's not the case here. Let's be real. Shem Leichler did turn a blind eye and did allow Anderson to have continued access to victims. I mean, let's be real here. You know, this has happened at, at multiple institutions. You know, Larry Nasser at Michigan State, Robert Strauss at Ohio State, uh, obviously Sandus Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, probably the biggest one. They're all big in my eyes. And Robert Anderson now in Michigan. It's just so difficult. But let's be real here. It happened. I get why the Schembecklers decided to come out and make a statement. Because Bo can't defend himself. And I get that. And I understand that. But, uh, you know, once again to... You know, and I don't think this, you know, has really anything to do with the, the Me Too movement at all. But part of that is believing victims. And you have to. And when, again, uh, and I'll say it again, when so many victims come up and, and say that that happened to them as well, you have to believe them. You do. You do. All right, there's a couple commitments uh, inside the conference yesterday, and we'll uh, start off with Iowa keeping it at home. Uh, they typically do that. They, they're a program that, over the years, Kirk Ferentz has, has done a very good job of making sure that the best Iowa talent does not leave the state. Uh, you know, Iowa State, uh, most recently with Matt Campbell, has definitely made a turnaround in their program, but historically, Iowa State has not been a strong football team. You know, it's just recently, you know, within the last three or four years, that they've really become, you know, a team that you know, players want to go and play for. You know, they, they talk about at Iowa State now with Campbell, they talk about, you know, not getting five-star players, but five-star culture. And I know Campbell signed a, an extension uh, there at Iowa State. He's gonna get bought out, guaranteed. He is gonna he's gonna be coaching at a, a major school at some point in time in the very near future, and I, I don't see that. Uh, you know that's not a guess. That's a, that's you can mark that down. That's gonna happen. That's going to happen. But back to Iowa, they uh, you know they, they again they they keep their best players in state for the most part, and you know they also do a good job of evaluating the talent that's not necessarily 
getting those looks. And that is where their most recent commitment falls under in Kale Crow. Crow, 6'6", 265 pounds, uh, a great frame, uh, you know, fantastic. So you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe a tackle, uh, depends, uh, kind of how he grows. Uh, if he continues, maybe adds on a, a couple of uh, inches, you know, goes to 6'7", six, 6'8", six, then 100% you're looking at tackle. But uh, for sure an interior offensive lineman right here, you know, he – Again, you know, he had an offer from Minnesota uh, and then a couple other non-Power 5 schools. But this is, you know, this is a typical Iowa recruit. You know, you heard me say a couple, uh, you know, uh, with the with, with some of the most recent commitments, specifically for Purdue's commitments, that they're taking guys that are low-hanging fruit. Uh, you know, I don't, it, it's different when you know, you're looking at a program like Iowa that gets these guys and develops them. You know, it's completely different. It's a different conversation that we're having because they've shown that they can find those guys. That's part of what their program does. Iowa finds the guys that aren't recruited very highly and develops them into high-level players. You can't say that about Purdue and Jeff Brum. You just can't. First of all, he hasn't been there as long. And second of all, they haven't produced the way that Iowa has. So when you look at that and you think, oh, well, he's being critical about just one school. I'm not necessarily being just critical about one school. I'm looking at the body of work and, and the fact that Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa program has earned that kind of moniker and that kind of faith that I'm giving them in this kind of pickup. Because again, look, I, I go, uh, I, I don't go off star rankings, although you know star rankings are important. I go off an offer list, and if you're looking at a list that's impressive, then you're saying, yeah, that that player is probably pretty damn good. But when you're looking at a list like Crow has, it's just only one other school. It is a Big Ten school, however, and not one of the lower-tier Big Ten schools. We're talking about a rising Minnesota team. Yeah, I think this is a pretty damn good commitment for Iowa. I do. Northwestern also added a player to their 22 class. They went out to California and grabbed athlete Braden Bruss, 6'2". 206 pounds, uh, a decent offer list here. Uh, Michigan State, Cal, Colorado, Arizona, UCLA. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it depends on what kind of player uh, Bruss will turn out to be. Um, you know, it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to look at his film, but uh, my guess is that he's probably going to play on the defensive side, either a linebacker or a safety. Again, it depends. You know, when you're looking at a 16, 17, 18-year-old player, you don't know how their body's going to fill out when they hit campus. You just don't. And you continue to look at the way that they are and who they resemble. And then you kind of guess. But I like this commitment here. You know, I think Northwestern, again, they get a pass as well. They develop. That's, 
you know, that's what Pat Fitzgerald does. Pat Fitzgerald very rarely brings in a, you know, top 40 class. Yet the Wildcats have been the West representatives in the Big Ten Championship game two out of the last three years. They just had two players selected in the first round in the NFL draft. And they're doing that with lower recruited players. Now they're starting to get guys like Bruss that are highly recruited, that have plenty of Power 5 offers. Program is on the rise. It really is. I mean, you know, a guy like Bruss is, is you know, could have stayed on the West Coast and, and played in the Pac-12 and played for some damn good teams out there. But he decided to come Midwest get a good education, and you know, compete for Big Ten championships because that, that's what Pat Fitzgerald wants to do. And I think that they're going to be able to, you know, they're going to break through one year. You know, if they face, if they, if they somehow face a non-Ohio State team in the in the championship game, they're going to have an opportunity to break through. So I think they're, they're, the program's leaning and looking pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. And one of the reasons why you could tell that program's looking good is because their players are starting to get more looks. Because yesterday, the Lot Impact Trophy released their preseason watch list, and it had a wild kid on it. That was Brandon Joseph. It also had seven other Big Ten players, total of eight on there, including Iowa's defensive end Zach Van Valkenburg, a Michigan's defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, Nebraska's linebacker, JoJo Doman, Ohio State's Zach Harrison, the defensive end, Penn State defensive tackle, P.J. Mustafer, uh, defensive end from Purdue, George Karloftis, and Wisconsin linebacker, Jack Sanborn. Yeah, I, I'd say that uh, there's plenty of talent inside the Big Ten on the defense side of the ball. Remember, this is just a preseason watch list. You know, when when they start re-announcing these watch lists when it gets closer to the season, you're going to start to hear some more Big Ten names on there because there are some guys that haven't emerged that will. They, there's going to be guys that we don't know about that are going to start making big splashes. And uh, I, I think that, you know, that's a solid list to, to have pretty much, you know, 80% of the the conference, uh, you know, 75% of the conference, I'm bad at math, 75%, 80% of the conference to be represented on this list is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Really is. Uh, one note on the basketball side of things before I sign off for the morning, and that is Purdue. They went out to Minnesota, grabbed a very high, highly thought of recruit in Camden Heidi, uh, 6'5", 180 pounds. Also had offers from Iowa, Arizona, Minnesota, Nebraska, Texas, Wisconsin. And I think this is a pretty solid get here for Purdue. Uh, Purdue recruits fairly well. On the basketball side of things, they do a very good job of continually being one of the better teams in the Big Ten year in and year out. They do lose a lot of, you know, guys, but 
you know, there's a solid core. Uh, you know, Jaden Ivey was fantastic uh, this past year. Travion Williams returns, one of the better front court players inside the Big Ten. Zach Eddy is a monster in the middle. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic is that guy that stretches the floor. That's a damn good program and a damn good team. And I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten when basketball rolls around in October. And getting Heidi is just going to help. Uh, you know, granted, he's not going to be on campus this fall. He will be next fall, but still, you know, I think that the program has done really well. And then you look at you know, the way that that they do things there. You know, Matt Painter has done a very, very good job. And then on top of that, he's developed. Not only is he developing his players, he's also developing his coaches. Because look, Micah Shrewsbury just got a Big Ten job. He's now heading the Penn State program. So not only do they get good results on the court, they're getting good results off the court as well. Matt Painter is, I think, one of the more underrated coaches, not only in the Big Ten, but I think in the country. I don't think Purdue gets enough respect for what they have done on the court and off the court during his tenure. I really do. And that will do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. Uh, go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm rate us, review us, share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great hump day, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you tomorrow morning.